Hi, this is Cynthia Thurlow, and you are listening to Cosmic Soup. Welcome back, Cosmonauts, to another exciting episode of Cosmic Soup, which is, as we all know, the senior living podcast to end all senior living podcasts. Today's show is dedicated to members of the C-suite, specifically those who might be open to some ideas on how to manage their dining programs more productively and more effectively. So here to offer some objective insight and perspective is VP of Culinary and Operations, Scott Daniels, and everyone's favorite branding and marketing guru, Cynthia Thurlow. Hey, Cynthia. Hey, Scott. Welcome back. Glad to have you both back in the soup today. Hello. Well, hello. Awesome. Really cool to be able to talk about this uh, topic. As y'all know, uh, we are on the same page with kind of dining and quality of food and things like that in the senior living industry. And we're going to, I think, take a different approach on this one, though. Cynthia, we're going to be talking about dining management and the C-suite today, right? Yeah, I love this subject because... um, you know, it, it's the kitchen, kitchens and dining areas are intimidating. If you've never worked in a restaurant, if you don't feel comfortable in them, um, there's a lot going on in those places. And so, it, you know, good food starts at the top. It starts with the C-suite. So setting out the vision, what is your vision for your dining program? And then, um, you know, ha- being present, buzzing through the kitchen. And uh, Scott's going to talk a lot about that. And um, also, you know, setting forth the vision, like bad food lives in the dark. And what I mean by that is it lives uh, where uh, people don't talk about the food or people aren't just, you know, creating safe spaces to have conversations and say, you know, what could we be doing better? Let's, it's not a criticism. It's just, let's have open conversations and shine light on how are we doing and then constantly improve. So I'm excited to have Scott here because Scott is the expert at culinary. And here's, here he is. Good afternoon. Buenas tardes. So uh, Scott, I, I think this is really cool to, to have you and Cynthia both on this episode because there's some really good information and some insight that you both offer. And I think that both of you have an approach that is a little bit more non-confrontational and really more educational and informative. And Scott, you specifically spent a very long time um, working with uh, contracted dining and working with members of the C-suite and being able to see kind of how their interactivity kind of affects everything. So you had some ideas that you wanted to share, um, some insights you wanted to share about what kinds of things that the C-suite can uh, do to maybe affect their dining program. Absolutely. Well, just to tie into what Cynthia had mentioned, typically for the C-suite, the the career path doesn't typically get routed through the dining department, not directly. So very, very rarely do those that sit in the C-suite, you know, have they worked or managed directly the dining department. And, you know, so therefore what happens is what I've seen in my 20 plus years in, in senior dining is those individuals become uncomfortable in the C-suite. They become uncomfortable with an area of the operation that they're that they're not comfortable managing or, or don't necessarily know all of the ins and outs. And, and that creates, as with most individuals, we're, we're fearful of the unknown. So we want to try to strike that fear down 
and, and talk about, you know, how to be successful in the C-suite managing your dining department. And so I think that a lot of us uh, who have been in like management roles or leadership roles, one of the first things often that we want to do to kind of just establish the precedent of, of how we want to approach it by starting our plan is really kind of taking a look at the team we have, right? Correct. Yeah. You, know, you have to have the right team in place. And, and I think what often happens, and I've seen it time and time again, is the C-suite will hire management for their dietary department and they hire individuals that are similar to themselves. When I, when I say that, I mean, they're hiring individuals that might only have seniors background, might only have healthcare background. When typically a, a continuing care retirement community, a life care community, really operates more like a hotel, more, operates more like fine dining and hospitality rather than you know a hospital environment or a skilled nursing environment. And I think that's the first first mistake we made. Not that there's anything against managers that, that have worked in senior living or, or healthcare, not at all. You need those too. But if you want to drive your program, you need to look at individuals that have a greater hospitality background. Not dining, but hospitality. And they kind of are one and the same, but hospitality is more resident-centric and focused. And I think that's a critical you know, component to having a, a successful dining and hospitality operation within your retirement community. Yeah, it's it's a, a definitely I think a much overlooked factor that you know diversity of background uh, is extremely important, and I think we've all fallen into that trap at times. You're just like, I just want to get the most experienced person who knows this industry, and I can just it's like a quick fix, right? You just want to plug and play, and then you get turned around and kind of bit in the backside because that person might be just repeating things that you're trying to get away from, but that's what they know. Cynthia, you've had a lot of experience, I, I think, kind of observing uh, kind of the way that things go. And your passion has always been, man, just just give them good food. Why is this so hard to give them good food, right? I mean, if, if, if there's one mantra that I know that you have, it's just give them the effing food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the history of senior living dining is institutional, yeah. right? It, it started in the sixties and seventies and sadly it's, it can't, that, that perception or that approach to dining it doesn't work anymore. And however, it still exists. Some attitudes still exist that way. So it doesn't cost more to provide fresh food that's prepared. Well, that should not cost more. It just takes um, a vision. It takes setting the thesis and then taking the steps to follow that thesis. And I think for any C-suite person, really, if they just set, set the intention and the goal first, it's much easier to follow that uh, by, by any team and then also measure that success. And so, Scott, I'm, I'm just curious because I know you've been in thousands of communities. What's the difference that you see when the C-suite is involved in dining and what does that look like versus the C-suite isn't involved in dining? I, I'm curious about that. that. That's a great question, Cynthia. And yes, I, I've seen both spectrums and it, and it's ironic because it, the difference is so little um, between those individuals on C-suites that are actively involved in their dining versus those that aren't. And when I say they aren't actively involved, what I mean is the individuals that yes, you know, they're doing their their jobs in the C-suite, their their administrative roles, but they're not necessarily 
fully engaged in the dining department. And what do I mean by fully engaged? Are they walking through the department every day? Um, do they know the team players? Are they opening up doors, looking in walk-ins, you know, checking the cleanliness of the operation? Do they know the team? You know, are they walking through the dining room during meal service? You know, and, and if, if a hand's needed, are they jumping in? Doesn't mean they need to be, you know, helping, but just picking up a, a pitcher of water or a coffee pot and walking through the dining room, you know, talking to the residents does two things. It shows the residents, number one, that, that you're actively involved in the community, but it shows the team on the dining side that you are, you're engaged with them, that, that they feel important, that that role is important. And, and it's so critical. And those communities where the administration is involved in dining, they're much more successful. When I say they, meaning the dining department is much more successful. They're respected. There's a mutual respect. They understand the trials and tribulations, um, as well as the the team in the dining department understands all the other, you know, tumultuous times that are going on in the rest of the community outside of dining. Because let's face it, oftentimes within a retirement community, each department kind of silos itself, um, but they all have to work harm harmoniously to make the residents safe and happy. And it doesn't take much. Grab a cup of coffee, walk through the dining room, walk through the kitchen, lead by example, though. Don't, you know, make sure you have the right shoes on. If you have hair, make sure you have a hair net on because you want the staff to look at you as their leader, um, not just as some executive walking in the kitchen that doesn't have to follow the same rules. So, so be in the know um, and jump right into your dining department. If I were a CEO, I would get some really cool kitchen shoes and um, a cute little beanie hat to cover my hair. And I would get a cute little uh, chef jacket that says, you know, chief on it or something. And when I buzz through the kitchen, it would be really fun. And people would say, hey, Cynthia's here. I, I had a CEO at, at one community that I, that I oversaw that would actively monthly, and it wasn't based on a schedule, um, just randomly, but he'd make sure that he did it once a month, would go into the kitchen. Um, and it didn't necessarily mean that they needed help, but if he saw the dishwasher with some dishes, he'd jump behind the dishwasher for 10 minutes and spend 10 minutes with the dishwasher. Again, they weren't in the weeds, but he just jumped in to show that he was part of the team, wasn't afraid to roll up his sleeves. Um, and it, that did two things. It showed mutual respect that, that he had for that team member. Um, and, and it gave that team member also the respect to this person that they were actively involved. They just weren't some suit sitting in an office in the front of the building. You know, he got to know this individual, this administrator got to know all the team, team members' names, knew a little bit about each one of them that he could have conversation with. And, and it drove the, the department from, you know, a staffing perspective, meaning you didn't have all the people quitting as easily and calling off, you know, they, there was a mutual respect within the community that each team member throughout the building, not just in dietary, was respected. Um, and that goes a long way today, especially today, but always. Yeah, there's always something to be said for boots on the ground leadership. Um, I have always in, you know, engaged in that kind of activity myself. I, I really do expect it, honestly, as an employee out of the people that I work for. Um, to kind of go in there and, you know, they don't have to get in there and be in the trenches every second of every day. But what it does is it drives the awareness and it uh, leads to higher crew morale that you're not asking people to do things that you yourself wouldn't do. 
So once that we've established then kind of having your proper team in place, right? If you're a member of the C-suite and, and you've gone in there, you've seen the operation, you've got the right people, the right leaders, the right management to carry on the vision, as you said, Cynthia. Um, yeah, I guess then, Scott, the next question is, you know, how do the finances tie into the dining programs uh, and how do you could just kind of keep track of all that? I can tell you what, I, what I've seen so often, and it's unfortunate, but the the finances don't necessarily predicate or dictate the operation. You know, so they, they're working in arrear. So you have numbers, you know, somebody's put together a budget, but they haven't tied all their operation into the budget. You know, what their meal plan is, what their offers are, how many, you know, dining venues they have within their community, necessarily what their budgeted labor is. You know, have they encompassed, you know, everything going on in the food world today? You know, I mean, Obviously, supply chain's an issue, but I've seen before that, I've seen issues where the budget didn't have enough, didn't warrant the food that was deemed required for that community. I mean, it, you know, I'll just use simple math. You know, the, the menu is, is, is $10, but the budget's five. Well, they're never going to be successful because it doesn't align. So I think going back to the hiring the right team, you've got to have, you know, somebody managing your dietary department. That, that understands the financial component of the dining department. They, that individual, you know, he or she needs to be sitting at the, at the leadership table, you know, with, with the C-suite and, and making decisions and, and have a voice in how that department operates. Because whoever you hire, if you hire the best person in the world and, and the finances aren't aligned and you're not willing to change so they can align with the business, it's going to be a failure through and through. And what happens when, when people fail, uh, they're not going to stay. They could be the best person. But if, you know, you, you give somebody a handful of pennies and, and you know, the expectation is they're spending dollars, it, it doesn't work. So you've got to make sure that you understand your finances. I love this subject because as a CEO or a COO um, of a, say, a life plan community that has 350, 400 residents. I've got independent living. What do you think my PPD should be? I mean, what should it be to provide quality food? If you were just to throw a number out for CEOs out there. We don't want to throw numbers at, at something we don't have a budget for. But what I would tell you in today's economy, strictly talking about food, um, mm -hmm. not the labor or the indirects from a quality. Now, again, we have to define quality, but with today's food costs, you're, you're looking at a, at a, at a, a PPD rate upwards of, of $10. That's quality. That's that's in a, in a nicer CCRC. And again, that all depends on, on the meal plan because obviously with the independent component, meal plans are across the board. So it, it, it could be two meals a day, three meals a day. It could be, you know, an a la carte spend down. So that's a challenge. But if you, if you look on the assisted and, and skilled side, for good quality at, at a at a nicer community, ten dollars plus, you know, to get to get where you need to be. Now you'll have people that that'll say, "Oh, we can do it for a lot less." But as I vision quality, and I think you vision quality in dining, ten to twelve dollars. What should be included then in a, a food cost budget? That's negotiable in, in, on the independent side, and that's a whole different topic. We could have conversation around around meal plans and, and how to develop meal plans and, and, and build meal plans. On the assisted living and skilled, which is three meals a day, typically within a food cost budget, it should be the meal. What's, what's provided with the meal? The, the entree, choice of entrees, um, choice of fresh vegetables, not frozen, 
fresh starches prepared freshly, uh, a selection of, of beverages, non-alcoholic beverages, obviously for the for the assistance guild in, in a meal in the meal plan. And typically snacks are included. You can include anything you want in a, in a food cost as long as you break them out and you understand where they're falling within the bucket. And I find oftentimes that they'll just throw out a round number. Oh, our food cost last month was $13 a person. But they didn't break that out into nourishments, snacks. Some some communities will add supplements to that, which typically on a GL ledger, they would be broken out more on the healthcare side. So you really have to understand you know, your budget and how your GL codes are built and broken down so you can better understand where where your finances fall. It's often said, you know, to the food service director, you and the chef, you have a food cost issue, but nothing's broken down. And oftentimes it's not the food cost. It can be floor snacks and supplies that are running rampant, you know, feeding the building, the employees, you know, potentially going home with individuals. And that's not really necessarily a kitchen food cost challenge. They're tied to it through, through controls and and tracking spend downs and such that everybody on the team knows how much money is being spent. But there's so many variables, and that's part of understanding from the C-suite down to your leadership, how that's all broken. I also have seen instances where those financial reports aren't shared in a timely fashion. And so what we're talking about, or ever. (laughs) Uh, So as as somebody from the C-suite, would it be prudent then to say that it's a good idea for them to not only be involved in it, but to have those active meetings and financial sharing uh, planning sessions? Absolutely, Mike. In my opinion, the communities that share the most are also share in the greatest success. Oftentimes, food service directors or chefs might not have a super strong background in finance, there's the opportunity to have your financial department within your C-suite conduct trainings for those key players within dining, have sit-downs every month. The budget should be shared each month with variance reports, you know, variance to actual to budget. And then as with all departments within the community, not just dining, a variance report should be then provided back with, with reasoning why there's variances. And I, I don't mean just over budget variances, but under budget variances too. Oftentimes management will think that just because somebody comes in under budget, that's a great thing. That might be detrimental in many cases because you might find that that a chef might be cutting corners with food and driving satisfaction down. Yes, they're coming in under budget, but but what is happening to your satisfaction? The residents are paying, you know, their their monthly bill and part of that is food. Now, big question I have and, and you never get a straight answer is when you ask the C-suite, if a resident pays $4,000 a month to live here, how much of that is for dining? And oftentimes you, you can't get an answer for that. They're, and it's not an avoidance, it's just they don't know. And that comes back to building the department and understanding you know, where the funding comes from the department and how much there's allocated to, to that line item. I have a dream. Here's my dream for that. <laughs> well, for the record, folks, Cynthia has a lot of dreams, but uh, I guess let's just talk about this one. Here's my dream um, for every C-suite professional in senior living. Find the money to put in your dining program because you couldn't have a more important department in your community other than safety and you know regulations and health. But dining is the most important department of your community. And we've seen money get found in the capital budget. For instance, maybe you don't need a new covered garage for the residents to park in. Maybe 
your residents would just really rather have fresh, healthy food. Or sometimes what we've seen is that, that there are some roles in the organization that could be eliminated and not to be, you know, and I'm, I'm not being specific about any particular role, but a lot of times what we see in uh, nonprofit life plan communities, larger organizations, is there some kind of middle management people or roles that could be eliminated and not noticed. In other words, put the money in your dining program and figure out how to get the other parts of your uh, jobs done. So, Well, and to tie into what Cynthia just said, typically when a potential new resident comes into a retirement community and they're dealing with the sales and marketing team, one of the top three questions always is around the dining department. So you know, if that's one of the drivers for, for potential residents, we need to make sure that we're making it a driver for our other financial decisions as well. Well, yeah, it needs to be, the dining department needs to not be an afterthought like, oh, hey, I have this much money left to spend. Let me figure out how I can feed people early in your planning stages. If you're a new place that's building up, then start planning and budgeting for your dining department, for your labor, for top tier employees. Um, and then, you know, if you have a, you know, a budget meeting or a, or a budget refresh that comes up, you know, every couple of quarters or every year or every few years or whatever your period is, plan for that early in the budget rather than trying to use whatever dollars are left over. Mm -hmm. Scott, what tools and resources uh, should you have in your toolkit as a member of the C-suite to be more fully engaged uh, in the operations? Great question, Mike. And I, I think the number one tool, and it's not a physical tool, but it's it's being open-minded, not being so focused in on, I have somebody that manages that department, therefore I don't have to touch that department. So being open-minded is the number one tool. Now, when it comes to physical tools, you need to walk the department daily, every other day, front and back. That's a tool, believe it or not. Letting your team see you. You know, you oftentimes see administrators and, and, and C-suite individuals walking the halls, talking to residents, checking on nursing, they should treat the dining department the same way. Now, to make those walks and those engagements easier, there's a couple of things that they can take. There's there's simple checklists, pocket checklists that they can take that basically are, are memory joggers. So they can pull it out and they can say, oh, I should look at the floors in the walk-in, or I should you know, maybe pick up a thermometer and, and ask one of the, the employees or team members to show me how to calibrate it. Because let's, let's face it, food Safety is so critical in, in any community, any restaurant establishment. Walk around and, and look at personal hygiene. Visually look. You know, this checklist can, can say, check fingernails. Go look, make sure people's fingernails are clean. It's, it's simple basics. But what happens is once the team sees that you're following some kind of protocol, they don't know that you necessarily have a cheat sheet. They know that there's consistency in place, that you're checking on things. You're not just taking the word, you know, when the, the dining manager comes to the, the morning meeting that, How's dietary doing today? And the dietary manager says, everything's great. Well, maybe it is, but maybe it's not. And if you take that walk, you can see firsthand. Talk to your residents in the dining room. I question how often, you know, do the C-suite individuals actually sit down and dine with the residents? Or, or go to the break room or the employee dining area and sit down periodically and have lunch with the dining team. I love that. You'd be amazed how much information you can glean out of individuals when you're breaking bread with them. So don't be afraid. Financially, how many of the communities out there are using a spend down document where you're tracking 
within the dietary department, every dollar spent, so every invoice is tracked at the kitchen level, not at the finance office level. And, and they know, hey, listen, our budget allows for $5,000 of food spend this week. So they're tracking it starting on Monday or whatever the first day of their week is. And they're, so they get close to the end of the week and they say, hey, listen, we're at 4,000. We've got to be careful to make sure that we're buying only what we need not to go over that. I would tell you that the, t- the tools are critical and you have to understand the tools. And if you don't know them or have them, there's so many resources to find the tools that you need to be successful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Culinary Coach obviously has uh, access to all those tools and can provide ideas and, uh, you know, a, a pathway towards success, we'll call it. Illuminate that pathway, Scott. That's what you're there for, right? Sure. So, you know, what we do as the Culinary Coach part of Third Plus is we're a partner consultant. We're not a consultant that comes in and, and says, here, here, here's everything you're doing wrong and here's how you fix it and walk away. We partner with communities. We do training. We provide them with the tools and resources that they need to be successful. Um, we provide C-suite training because it's shocking. Most people in the C-suite are, are, are highly educated, but because dining is something they only do um, typically you know, outside of work, you know, they go out to dinner, the, the fear's there. So we try to break down those fear barriers and work with them to, to better understand their business and, and not necessarily feel, and, and this is what I oftentimes think, a lot of self-op communities are so fearful of dining that they immediately want to go to contract services, which not that that's bad for everybody, but they're, you know, if you have the basic tools and understandings, you can manage your own department, save money and provide better quality service. I'm glad that you brought up contract dining because on the next episode of Cosmic Soup, we're going to dig into the meat and potatoes of contract dining. So let's wind this down. How about some closing thoughts from each of you on today's topic of dining management for the C-suite? Well, my last tip for the C-suite is taste the soup. (laughs) (laughs) Buzz through the kitchen, taste the soup, taste the sauce, look at the food, eat it. If it tastes good to you, that's awesome. If it doesn't, then, you know, there's room for growth. And ask questions. When you're walking through, don't hesitate to ask anybody in the dining department questions because you're going to put them on their toes. That They're going to have to provide answers. And, and along the same lines, the more questions you ask, the stronger your knowledge will get of your dining department. Awesome. Great food for thought. See what I did there? Scott, Cynthia, thanks again for being here. Always cool to have these conversations with you. And I'm looking forward to the next episode where we take today's topic one step further and discuss ways to manage your contracted dining service. Hey, thank you very much, Mike. Thank you, Mike. And of course, a huge thanks to all of you out there in the real world for listening and hanging out with us here in the soup. Make sure you tune in next week to hear Scott and Cynthia dig into the multi-course smorgasbord of contracted dining. Trust me, you don't want to miss that. In fact, you don't want to miss any of our episodes, so make sure you subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. And if you've got questions, comments, or ideas, shoot us an email to CosmicSoup at 3rd3rd.com. Now go cruise through that dining department, and we'll talk to you next week on Cosmic Soup.